Good morning. It's Friday, October 9th. I'm Shamita Basu. And I'm Duarte Geraldino. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. Members of a self-described militia group have been charged by federal and state law enforcement for conspiring to kidnap the governor of Michigan. And that's where we begin today. The Detroit Free Press is reporting a group of 13 men were allegedly involved in plotting a series of anti-government attacks, including plans to storm the state capitol in Michigan, throw Molotov cocktails at police cars, and kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer. But the FBI managed to thwart their plans with some help on the inside. According to newly unsealed court records cited by the Detroit Free Press, these men bought weapons, attempted to build explosives, even surveilled the governor's vacation home. Now, they met multiple times to discuss this plot. Some of them allegedly got together at a shop in Michigan. And reportedly, they held meetings in a hidden basement that you could only get to through a trap door hidden by a rug. Authorities say that the group was planning to kidnap the governor before the November election and, in their words, put her on trial for treason. But the FBI managed to plant several informants. One of them wore a wire and got crucial recordings of the men while they were planning the kidnapping. That's how the FBI was able to put a stop to it. The suspects have been charged with a range of crimes. Six of them were indicted by the FBI on conspiracy to commit kidnapping. Seven are facing lesser state charges, including being members of a gang, providing material support for terrorist acts, and using firearms while committing felonies. On Thursday, the governor held a press conference. When I put my hand on the Bible and took the oath of office 22 months ago, I knew this job would be hard. But I'll be honest, I never could have imagined anything like this. Governor Whitmer has recently risen to national prominence over her handling of the coronavirus pandemic in Michigan, which was initially hit hard in April. Then it saw cases taper off in the summer, and now it's seeing a steady rise again. While many people applauded her decisive leadership, she's also faced a lot of criticism in her own state. In April, thousands of people, many of them carrying semi-automatic weapons, stormed the state capitol to protest her executive order, which was shutting down businesses to slow the spread of the virus. These protests, they attracted national media attention, and they also drew the attention of President Trump, who at one point in April tweeted, Liberate Michigan. Now, some protesters were carrying signs calling for violence against the governor. One man brought a doll with brown hair hanging from a noose. The Detroit Metro Times reported dozens of social media posts were calling for the governor to be hanged. In a show of unity, the Republican majority leader in the state Senate, Mike Shirky, tweeted, quote, a threat against the governor is a threat against us all. He also condemned the extremists who allegedly plotted the kidnapping and said, quote, they are not patriots. Governor Whitmer said President Trump is, quote, complicit in this plot because he refused to disavow right wing hate groups. President Trump is taking issue with her accusations. In a series of tweets on Thursday night, he wrote, quote, I do not tolerate any extreme violence and also doubled down on his criticism of Whitmer. He called the governor's management of the pandemic, quote, terrible. There have been an unprecedented number of lawsuits in this election season, all of them having to do with voting rules. And today, we're going to take a closer look at Texas, which has seen a flurry of recent decisions. 
Texas already has some of the strictest voting laws in the country. It also has consistently low voter turnout. An analysis of the 2016 election by the University of Texas at Austin ranked Texas 47th in voter turnout and 44th in voter registration. The Texas Tribune explains the recent rule changes don't fall clearly in one political camp or the other. Voter rights groups argue Texas is trying to suppress votes. For his part, Governor Greg Abbott says he's trying to make voting more accessible by adding extra early voting days. So let's break down what's exactly going on. There are three recent changes to the rules to pay attention to in Texas. The first one, back in July, Governor Abbott ordered that early voting in Texas can begin six days earlier than usual because of the pandemic. Now, a number of GOP officials challenged that in court. This week, the Texas Supreme Court ruled the governor's expansion will stand. Abbott says this shows he's not trying to suppress the vote. In fact, he's trying to do the opposite. He's trying to allow extra time for people to vote. But here's what voting rights advocates are taking issue with. Just last week, the governor signed an executive order that limits the number of ballot drop-off locations to just one per county, saying it was intended to ensure ballot security. Now, this means in a district like Harris County, where I've lived and where Houston is located, and about 2.4 million other people are registered to vote, there will be just one ballot drop-off location. The whole county is about the size of Rhode Island, a state that has about 39 ballot drop-off boxes. Now, some Texas voters will have to drive almost an hour one way to reach a ballot drop-off. The governor's executive order is already facing multiple legal challenges, but Abbott's team noted to the Texas Tribune, voters can now submit mail-in ballots at these locations at any point leading up to Election Day. In the past, these ballots could only be submitted in person on Election Day. Here's another issue that ended up in court. Texas is one of five states that do not accept coronavirus as an excuse to vote by mail. Earlier this year, the county clerk in Harris County wanted to send absentee ballot applications to all registered voters there, regardless of whether they requested one. The state of Texas sued to block this from happening. They said people would be receiving ballots that they weren't actually allowed to use. On Wednesday, the state Supreme Court ruled in favor of the state of Texas. So now the county cannot send out applications. Even if you're not voting in Texas, you'll want to pay attention to what happens there. Texas carries 38 electoral votes, and while in the past it's been reliably read, this year, 538's tracker says Joe Biden has a 30% chance of winning the state. The Nobel Peace Prize goes to the United Nations World Food Program for its work to end hunger, achieve food security, and improve nutrition around the world. The committee announced the prize this morning, saying the organization's work has been especially crucial during the pandemic, which has upended international food supply chains. The World Food Program has a staff of about 17,000 people around the world, and it's entirely funded by volunteer donations. It acts as a first responder in places where people are experiencing a critical lack of access to food, like conflict areas or regions hit by natural disasters. And now the organization is sounding the alarm. It estimates the number of people living with acute food insecurity is likely to double in the coming months, from 135 million to 270 million people. Oh, the Tasmanian devil. That cartoon character always made me smile as a kid. 
But Looney Tunes may have given the Tasmanian devil a bad rap. These marsupials play an important role in balancing ecosystems. As National Geographic explains, on mainland Australia, they've been mostly missing for 3,000 years now. First of all, let's clear this up. They don't look exactly like the cartoons. Tasmanian devils are about the size of a lapdog. They're carnivores. They've got these powerful jaws that can crunch through bone. And they definitely don't spin around like the cartoons. I really don't know where that came from. National Geographic explains the devils are native to mainland Australia and the island of Tasmania, but their numbers have been declining mostly because of a very contagious cancer. In the 90s, the species was pushed to the brink of extinction. And now a group of conservationists are slowly working to bring them back. They raised a group of devils in captivity, and in the past few weeks, they've been releasing them into the wild. And the hope is that these devils will ward off big wild cats and force them to hunt during the daytime. It's a small shift in behavior, but it would protect some of Australia's nocturnal species that are endangered. So the plan is to keep releasing more devils over the next two years and keep a close eye on how the ecosystem changes. And maybe, just maybe, we might see one or two start spinning. <laughs> You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. Have a great weekend. We'll talk with you again on Monday.